Okay, good morning. Uh, this is Madama Disruptors, Alex and Frank. And today we have two fantastic guests. We have Liz Bondi and Dion Carr. Um, I, I believe they're both from New York, but I'm, we're gonna let them introduce themselves and give us their backgrounds, if you don't mind. Hi, well, Frank. Let me start with you, Liz. Sure. Hi, Frank. Hi, Alex. It's really great to uh, join the both of you today and, and Dion uh, on this beautiful Sunday morning. My name obviously is Liz, as Frank said, and I'm from a major New York City healthcare system. I have over 25 years experience in environmental services, and I'm happy to be here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, and thanks for being here. And I, I want to tell you ahead of time that we love you. It's, okay, it's always, it's always good to be loved. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> good morning. Um, my name is Dion Carr. I work in New York also. And I've known Alex. We've been disruptors since we were children in the healthcare industry. How long, Alex? Over Too long ago. I, I think 30 years, right? I think at least at least 30 years. years um right. doing things differently. And I, I think to be quite honest, I think this disrupting is is a good thing. Right, I agree. I agree. Well, thank I, you I, for being here, Dion. And uh, we want you to know that we love you also. And Dion, I know you've been told this before, but you have a great voice, a fantastic voice. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, you do. I, I that's part of my business. I evaluate voices. And you have, <laughs> yeah, you have a great voice projects yes. extremely well and and it says that uh it, when people listen to you they want to they want when, when they hear you they want to listen yeah i remember as a child my we grew up in the caribbean and 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 my mother used to correct me all the time so the word she always corrected us on was tree right so in the caribbean tree was three not tree <laughs> if you get that yes not the tree but the number a three great mother a great mother yes. <laughs> and a great mother thanks for sharing that that's very yes. nice <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys, uh, uh, Dion and, and Liz, I mean, I know right now talking about where, which hospital you work for right now is, is problematic uh, because of, uh, you know, conflict of interest and all that kind of stuff. But what about hospitals that you worked in the past? Can you talk about that? Can you mention that? Or is that also a, um, a problem? Well, I, I prefer not to okay. um, mention say a name to... Um, Specific. You're right. To, I don't want to say anything bad about anyone specifically, because maybe one day I may go back there. Maybe one day <laughs> I may go right. back to disrupt it again. Right. So, exactly. Um, well, let, let, let's just yeah. sum up then. Then you guys have been in healthcare for many, many years in different hospitals in New York City, uh, major hospitals in New York City. Right. Uh, we're not talking about a little hospital in the middle of nowhere. We're talking about, you know, some major healthcare systems. Hundreds of beds, yes. Hundreds of beds plus that you guys work in. Um, and uh, 
the hospitals that you, you've worked in, what roles have both of you played in? No, um, Alex, Frank, before we continue, I just want to clarify one thing. It's, it's not that mentioning the organizations and the wonderful and amazing places that we've worked before, because they each are unique and they each present uh, d different benefits and, and things that we have to work on. But really, it's because we're in this is independent for us. We do this because we want to share information the same as you and Frank, and we want to make sure that everyone is as successful as they can be, because safety to patients is our always going to be our highest priority so regardless of the organization and the campuses that we're at safety is is important to us so we do this independently and we we do this for no money we really do it to get information out there so it's not that it's problematic it's just that we we like to be independent <laughs> that makes sense makes a lot of sense and and i i really i'm i'm the one who who kind of manages the books and we've made 32 cents since we started the podcast. Oh, yeah. right? and, he, and, he's kept, and he's kept every every part of that cent. He's, it's still he there. It's cents. still there. I can't take any out until it becomes a dollar. So <laughs> I guess you guys are over budget at this point. <laughs> if, if you want to say that. So it, it, it's really it's really just to get the information out. I think we're right. very passionate about it. Um, we think we've been to a lot of different hospitals. We visited different hospitals. Mm -hmm. And one day we looked at each other and said, you know, someone needs to hear what we do. So right. mm -hmm. this is how we started the podcast. Yeah, we did a lot of research. When we started our podcast, Clean and Comfort, there was no other podcast. We searched high, low, we researched it. And there was no other podcast talking about environmental cleanliness and all, all the things that go along with it, the regulations and um, the service part of it other than ours. So we're really proud of it. We're two years into it and uh, we really have a good time getting the information out uh, across the airways. And, and we, we invited Alex and you know we talked about chemicals and different types of chemicals right. because mm -hmm. Alex was an outlier. You know, he, 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 he's that type of person or that type of company that do you know this they don't have this item let me let me find it or make it you know no one does that they just go with the flow and i remember speaking with alex we were at another hospital and i was looking for a chemical i was buying a chemical from a company and the company said I was looking for a wax and the company said to me, um, yeah, this is the wax we have. I said, well, it's not standing up. He said, well, I have a better wax and it's, it's a little less, a little less. And I said, okay, so you've been ripping me off for all of these years. You have something better for less and you're selling me this item for all of these years. So, guess what? That company was gone. So I love companies like Madama who comes in and introduces different things. They all may not be what we're looking for, but at least we have options. Well, I appreciate that, Dion. You're hired, by the way. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanna, I, oh, no, I'd oh, like no, to, Alex. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> there you go. I'd like to make a comment on something Dion just said. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you're aware of it or not, <clears throat> Dion and Liz, but we are also formulators. So <clears throat> that's what also makes us unique. There's only a few, two formulators in the United States. We happen to be one of them. So we formulate technology. We, we come up with our own formulas. We don't just uh, do what you said, you know, take the product off the shelf and say, you know, the whole thing is what Alex and I do. We go in and evaluate the customer's needs and, and whatever you have on the shelf doesn't necessarily meet the customer's needs. The customers, and, and just because one hospital looks like another hospital, they're nowhere near the same. Right. They're all different, totally. And we, we are aware of that. And we're also aware that they're even different personality-wise. Right. Not just from the building structure as being different, but they're different from a personality difference. So we make products specifically for our customers. I didn't know if you were aware of that. Yeah, right. we... Yeah, we definitely are because working with Alex before, he really listens to us. He comes onto the campus. He sees what our challenges are. Yes. Uh, it could be a specific issue that we're having. It could be something very general. Uh, but he actually, what I love is that he actually comes in person or sends somebody that's almost as great as him. And he takes a look at what our challenging uh, concern is or issue. And uh, what we care about is, is the chemical and product we're using safe? Is it easy to use for our staff? We care about the smell and the odor of it because our patients care about that. And then, is it's, and then we care about its efficacy. Is it effective at what we're looking to get done? So those are the things that we care about. And so far, one of the reasons why we love to call upon Alex is that um, he's met all of those, all that criteria for us. Well, listen, guys, I really appreciate, uh, uh, you know, the, the compliments. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a two-way street. You know, when, when I go out to, to you guys and, and work with you, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to work with both of you because it's, you're informative. You're, you, I learn as much as I try to teach, I try to learn. And you guys are my teachers because you're teaching me what it is that are the challenges, what are the biggest headaches you're dealing with. And then it gives me ammunition to bring those ideas uh, or solutions to those uh, problems, or I don't like to call them a problem, but challenges, uh, and then presenting it to the rest of the market. So you're very helpful in, in making me survive and successful and in doing what we do best. Um, and Frank and I, you know, that's, that's our, uh, MO is we try to go into the marketplace, figure out what it is the market needs, what, what it is that the challenges are. Uh, and then we go from there. And on that note, what would you guys say are the biggest challenges that you're facing right now? I know with COVID and everything that's going on in the marketplace, I, I think our listeners out there. It, you know, if they're in healthcare, I'm sure they'll probably share some of your uh, thoughts and ideas. But let's say in the New York market where you guys are based, what's the biggest challenges that you guys are facing due to COVID? Well, even before COVID, I think um, the biggest challenge is room turnover. 
getting into the room, getting the floors done, getting out quickly, and even getting the room, you know, those are our biggest challenge, you know, and, and, and all talks about what we just mentioned, patient preference and patient experience in our podcast that we've just completed, Liz, what, 10 minutes ago? We just, yeah. you know, finished our podcast. Um, and it's important that we get into those rooms. Those, I must say, that is my biggest challenge. And, and what is, what exactly is the problem with getting into those rooms? What is it that you're facing that is, that's challenging you getting into those rooms and getting those rooms done? Is it a labor issue? Is it a time issue? What, what exactly are we facing when we deal with those um, Our patient throughput, we just have a lot of patients. You know, it's just very busy. You know, we, we would have a discharge and there's a patient outside the room waiting to come in that's been in the ER, waiting in the ER. So we can't say, hey, wait an extra two hours or an hour to lay in that bed that is even so much more comfortable than that stretcher that they've been on for 24 hours. Yeah. Turn over the room. Yeah, the turnover of the room. So when you, when you, you know, everyone watches NASCAR, right? Everyone knows or has watched a NASCAR race before. And that's what EVS is. We're the pit crew. Uh, we get a patient out safely. And our objective is to clean, disinfect, and prep that room for the next patient's arrival, which sometimes, as Deanne said, they're already waiting. They're already there. Our job is to make sure that we don't slow down patient throughput at all. Our job is to make sure that we're part of that team, that the patient comes up out of uh, the ED or comes out of the OR and recovery area and gets into that bed where they can be comfortable, where they're safe, where they receive the level of care that they need. And that is a priority for environmental safety, uh, environmental services, safety and throughput. So one of the solutions um, we came up with that I implemented is training all of our housekeepers who are willing and able, willing and able floor care procedures, um, whether it's using your product to go in and take off the top and give it a good burnish or place an, one coat of wax, that efficiency is, is so important. And to be able to do that is so important. Um, not just waiting for a floor care team that may or may not be there, or may or may not be at a different job, you know, just training everyone to just jump in when the room becomes available. And that's, that's very interesting, Dion. That, yeah. uh, let me jump on that. That's a very interesting point you brought up. So basically what you're saying is that to become more efficient, you're training normal housekeepers and normally would not be trained uh, on doing those kind of floor functions. Normally a floor tech team would be the ones that go in and, and, and deep scrub a floor and recoat. You're cross-training more of your regular staff to be able to do that in order to get the job done quicker. Is that what you're saying? Yes, not, not the housekeepers who do the daily cleaning, but we have teams on every floor every day called porters, we call them, that are responsible for the floor I cross-train them and train them as to, to do the basic floor care. And it's been extremely successful. Hmm. 
Okay. But Alex, you know, in, in order to keep up with floor care, we had to think out of the box. So obviously I'm not at the same hospital as Dion any longer. I'm at a different campus and our staffing uh, and our staffing methodology is very different. So we don't have that extra person called a porter. We have all housekeepers and every housekeeper is trained to be able to do some sort of floor care to get that floor clean and as shiny as possible. So the next patient coming in can get the experience and the cleanliness that they deserve. So, so what challenges during COVID, are there challenges? In other words, have things changed over the past year because of COVID or are things pretty much the same before and now as they were before? The same challenge without any increase uh, in new challenges due to COVID. That, that's really what I'm trying to get well, at. Well, I think what compiled on the original challenge is the patients. There are a lot of them. There are a lot of sick patients that are now coming in, not sick with COVID, but sick because they have waited a year and a year and a half with that illness that they had. Now they need to get it done. You know, they're sicker than, you know, before they found out they were originally sick with something. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note that, you know, COVID, yes, it did change the way that we cleaned a room. What we did to uh, be able to help conserve, you know, our part was to help conserve PPE. Our part was to bundle as many tasks, reduce the frequency that we went into the room, but still get that room clean for the patient. And obviously when you, when you talk about cleaning in the emergency department and you talk about cleaning in a patient room or an operating room, those are different levels of cleaning. But specifically when we're talking about uh, how COVID impacted us, we had to bundle our services. We had to bundle the types of cleaning that we did. But I, I would say access to the patient room, the length of stay, depending on the unit or in the area, and then the acuity of the patient are all things that we need to take into consideration when we're cleaning a certain area. So those are the things that we look at. And as Dion said, right now, our COVID census is extremely low, which is really great for all of us. But we are right now um, having surges in our emergency rooms and across our units and our operating room because patients did put off or delay some of the care that they needed. So we're still in a period of high census and we are also dealing with something that's really unique and special where a lot of people did that thing called quarantine. So we are, um, I, you know, I don't know about Dion and other hospitals, but in my specific campus, we're dealing with a surge in maternity uh, patients. We're having a lot of babies uh, come into this world and, you know, obviously we're calling them the quarantine babies, but it's a special event. It's really nice to see. Uh, but that's also a different population of patients that is very unique and we need to make sure that floor care and cleaning is uh, done with the highest amount of consideration. What about uh, disinfecting? Has disinfecting changed as far as because of COVID? I mean, hospitals always disinfect you know, 24-7, uh, 365 days a year, whether it's COVID or anything else. But, it, you know, there's also, you know, hospitals are concerned with HCAPs and they're concerned with, um, HCAPs basically are the, just for the people out there who don't know, are scores that patients and, and relatives of the patients uh, rate hospitals on their stay. And it's a very important uh, uh, data collecting uh, process that both the hospitals, insurance companies, and the government look at 
when they want to raid a hospital or reimburse a hospital. So it's very important to the EVS department that those scores are high. So, you know, patients now coming in are more aware of, you know, what goes on in a hospital, how important disinfecting is, you know, even more so now than before, because germs, you know, with COVID being on everyone's mind is, is a critical factor. This, has that changed the way you approach things or how you educate your, your customers or patients on exactly what you're doing or not doing? I think the only change is um, making sure that our staff are properly um, PPE'd up, have their personal protective equipment. And th there is no other change. I think the cleaning process that we have is stellar. You know, we, we worked on it for years. Um, we tested it for years and it's, it's pretty good. So only making sure our staff is protected because we have to make sure that they return the next day. You know, we have to make sure that they're safe. We have to make sure that they stay healthy. So I think the PPE is the, the main thing, making sure that they have enough um, PPE to get their jobs done. Liz? Oh, I would definitely, 100% I agree with Dion, staff safety and making sure that they feel comfortable to go into those rooms that we're giving them the tools, the equipment, the personal protective equipment they need to be safe to get that job done. Uh, I would say that in our industry, we are always going to deal with and, and have to focus on making sure that the environment is free of as many pathogens as possible. And we're always gonna have some new and emerging resistant pathogen. So when, when we really focus on infection control, we're thinking of everything. We're not just thinking of COVID, we're thinking of what's coming next. We're thinking of, you know, Cioris, we're thinking of reduction of C. diff. We're thinking of all these things that potentially could be uh, the next infection for the patient. So we're really focused on infection control all the time and not just COVID. And, and COVID, believe it or not, coronavirus is not um, something that lives on a surface for a, a long period of, of time. I would right. say, go, go ahead, Alex, I'm sorry. No, it's pretty easy to kill. It's an H1N1 virus. It's, it's a very simple thing to kill compared to C. diff and C. oris that we deal yes. with. So yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. That's why I was asking more on a perception, you know, because we're so, you know, that's the need of the customer or the patient these days. They want to feel that they're secure. They want to feel that, you know, the hospital is taking on them. And before, you know, COVID, people came into the hospital, they didn't even think twice about it, unless you were really educated in the field. And here, everyone is now educated because of the uh, pandemic. Uh, it was a forced crash course uh, for everyone uh, on, on what's going on in, in germ world, uh, so to speak. But, you know, there's one more thing I wanted to really get, a, get a, one more important question. Frank, do you have any, anything you want to add on this point? Until, no, no, I'm, just, I'm listening. Uh, I, have, I have a couple of comments I'll make at the end. Yes, I have one, one, one question. You know, I traveling across the country, and I do that a lot these days. Uh, one of the major problems that we're experiencing, not only in healthcare but across uh, the country, and this is coming across in in, in the financial uh, reports that are coming through every day and on the business networks, is that there's a major labor problem, a major labor shortage across the country, 
I see it in my hospitals. I know a lot of my hospitals have, you know, walked away from doing floor care because they just don't have the staff. And I think Dion sort of mentioned on a way uh, on a, on a side about not having, you know, all the time a floor team, a floor tech team being available on the floor. So my question is, have you guys experienced this at all, a labor shortage or labor tightening at all in healthcare in your environments in the New York market? Well, I, I think everywhere has a labor shortage. It's not, remember, unfortunately, a lot of people passed away from COVID, right? And they were all people working. So minus those people, plus you have a lot of people who decided to retire during COVID, minus those people. You have a lot of people who are still afraid to come out, add those people. So there's your shortage. You right. have, at my facility, we have had a ton of retirement um, who were scheduled to retire and because of COVID that they decided to leave. And, but before that, you know, we still had an issue with getting floors done. And, you know, before that I decided to train, you know, I think as disruptors as you guys are, Liz and I on our own on side are disruptors when it comes to hospital um, and the way things are done in healthcare. So you have to really see things differently and try to do it differently. And if it's not working one way, you really have to try something else. No, that's great. I, I agree with that. And in environmental services, again, you know, we're always gonna see attrition. And most of the time that's, that's from positive a movement of staff. Our staff enter environmental services they're trained, they get to work alongside some of the greatest clinicians and, and people uh, anywhere in the industry that we're in and, and specifically in the organization that we're in. So they, they see the great work that our clinicians are doing and they want to be like them. They want to go to school, they want to um, continue their education. And the great thing again about our organization is that they really support staff development and are all for education and employees uh, being promoted and, and taking on other positions. So it's not uncommon for us to have to deal with and have to address uh, attrition and scheduling. So this is not new for us. We did, during COVID, we had a lot of people sick that we needed to make sure that they were feeling better, that they were taken care of, that they were getting the healthcare that they needed that they were going to be okay so they could return to us and come to work. And we heard a lot about the vaccine mandate. Uh, my campus, my specific team, 100% vaccinated. Wow, they knew, yeah, they, they knew how important this was for our patients to keep them safe, to keep their families safe and to continue working to support their families. So I, I think we're always gonna have to deal with staffing. We're always gonna have to address that and um, scheduling and creative scheduling and flexing up, flexing down is always gonna be important for us as leaders. That's great, Liz. <clears throat> that was a great answer. That, that, those, those, um, I'm glad to hear it, you know, that you guys have it under control, uh, so to speak, uh, because I know uh, parts of the country, they are really suffering. So it's great to hear, uh, you know, 
uh, a story where you guys are actually taking on that challenge successfully uh, and making things happen. Well, Dion uh, and I, I was going to say, D Dion and I, we always focus on, and our team and our leaders always focus on the relationship with our frontline team members. It's so important. And not just during COVID, all the time. We have to really care about them, as Dion said, their safety, whether it's psychological safety or their physical safety, is extremely important to us. And they're dedicated and, and they definitely deserve a lot of recognition for what they've done over the past 17, 18 months, but all the time they deserve that recognition. They do some incredible work. Very true, very true. Frank? I just want to mention something in relation to what you just said. <clears throat> we have a, I don't know if, if, how much we publish this, uh, Alex. We have a program called Three Steps to Engagement. And one of we find the most valuable thing with, with people is to be sure that we follow the basic three steps. I'll tell you what they are. Number one is to be sure that the people are clear what's expected of them, that they know what the goal is. Number two, once they do and they do follow it, be sure you catch them doing it correctly and acknowledge them. And when you acknowledge them, the, we sometimes say to people, hey, Mary, great job. Thanks a lot. That's not an acknowledgement. A, a, an acknowledgement would be, Mary, thank you very much for the super job you're doing. I noticed that you're following the way we uh, suggest that you, that you mop the floor and you're doing a great job. And thank you for caring and for following through. Correct. You have the to third step is to yes. correct people with praise. When they don't do the job correctly, you say, Mary, I want to mention to you that I noticed yesterday when you're mopping the floor, it didn't appear to me that you were following the procedures that we shared. Uh, I'd like to be sure, did, did you misunderstand the procedures, Mary? Oh, no, no, I didn't misunderstand them, but I got so busy, I just couldn't do them. Okay, well, Mary, you realize that the procedure is extremely important, and that's why we set them up. Now, the reason I'm correcting you is because you're a very important person to us on our staff. And I, I, I am not correcting you to be negative. I'm correcting you because you're important to us. So thank you. Those are three basic steps that if, when followed with most people, the people much, much more appreciate it when they're done in that fashion than they are if, when, if we don't do it that way. I, I'm only getting into the detail. I'm not sharing that you don't, I wasn't implying you don't use that kind of detail. I, I, I was just sharing that. I wanna mention one more thing to you about floor care. Uh, I've been in floor care for 65 years. And, and uh, I've specialized in floor care all my life. And this is something I found that uh, I'm gonna make a statement to you that 30% of the work that we do presently on floor care is not necessary. And one of the things that we, you can do in maintaining a room, as an example, for quick checkout, once the room is cleaned, meaning mopped, uh, it should be mopped first. We go in there with any high-speed machine with a hair pad or a, a pad similar to a hair pad. Some hospitals don't want to use hair pads, but a, a pad with an open weave, extremely important that it's an open weave pad with a high-speed machine. If you take Madama and put six ounces of Madama in any quart bottle 
pre-spray all high, high step areas, the stress areas. The only thing you pre-spray is the high stress areas. You miss them. That would be going to the chair. That would be going around the, uh, the bed. That'd be going into the restroom. Those are the high stress areas in a room. Hit those with a high-speed machine one time, forward and back. You'll bring the floor back like it's brand new. Then dust mop and walk out. That floor can be done from three to six minutes in any room that quickly. And you bring the floor back, and you'd actually think we just stripped and rewaxed the floor without putting any coating down. Okay, no so coating was necessary. We have... We've seen, I'm going to let Dion address this one, but I just want to, I, I just want to mention one thing that's an important factor. So we've seen the process, um, we've seen the shine, but when it comes to what you just said, take that in a thousand bed hospital with, with 42 people waiting for a room, right? So you have to have the machines, you have to have the trained and engaged staff. And you just definitely have to have the ability to make everything that you say happen. And that's, that's the part that a lot of departments, a lot of environmental service leaders, they struggle with because of capacity issues. But I agree with you. I think what you said is exactly what has to happen. Alex, make sure that we know the procedure and our team members are trained. Uh, but Dion, you take this one because you're, well, you're the well, you, you, I think well, you just, I think you just got a staff to do that. No, yeah. we don't. No, oh, no, I thought no. you said you did. I'm no. sorry. Yeah. So the key to having a staff to do that is having equipment to do that also. And remember that one person, well, I you don't know the 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 porter to room ratio of that one person that is on that floor. So he has at times 45 rooms with maybe eight of them are being processed for discharge at that time. And three of them, the patients are waiting for. And two of them, he has to change curtains and do um, some high level disinfection. So the likelihood of him getting to do that is negative five. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's a good thing. That is why when they're trained and they're on the floor and the opportunity shows itself, they jump on it. But yeah. at times that opportunity isn't there. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm still looking at your picture with the, with the guy in the, the tuxedo with a floor burnisher in the back of you, Frank. Yes. Um, I, I love that picture. And I'm gonna ask if it's you, you know. That's, that's actually, that's how Dion goes to work every day, just like that. <laughs> oh no, that's how I actually started in, in, in business. And I started all of my training at, at Disney in a tuxedo. And I did it in a tuxedo deliberately. And I became known for that on a worldwide basis. And they promoted that. They actually created that. And they also, you'll see on the floor, I don't know if you see that, I have a, a talking floor. Yeah, I see it. That's also from Disney. What does it and, say? Uh, the, the reason I do it at Disney and, and they created it and like the idea is because I said to the cleaners, 
that if you really know what you're doing and you know how to do it effectively, you can do it in a tuxedo. Some of the cleaners look like terrible, the way they dress, uh, their shoes, <laughs> they give such a bad impression that you, know, you wonder if they know how to clean. Frank, that is um, an important piece that uh, um, you know maybe some people miss out on, but in our organization, uniform and presence is extremely important, and it's something that we really focus on. Yeah. When when you look good and and feel good about yourself, uh, you can do a better job, of course. So we we really focus on that. We we focus on our team a lot, and you know. You talked about your um, the three things that were the most important: expectations, recognition, and how to properly coach somebody so they know how vital the work they do uh, plays a part in in the patient stay, in the upkeep of the building, and in the safety of the patient. And that's all. Everything that you said is so important, but all that the foundation of that is the relationship that you have with your team. Sure. And and you know to in order to in order to do that step three of it, you have to have a good relationship with them. They have to be able to connect with you and they have to be able to know that you care about them as a person. So I, I love everything that, that you said and we definitely practice that. Um, the, the things that we always have to take into consideration with everything is um, speed. You know, we, we really are uh, the NASCAR pit crew for the hospital. We need to make sure that our job gets done as quickly and as efficiently and safely as possible. You know, and what, what everyone is mentioning here, which is very important, Liz, and, and this, is, this is really, you know, coming back to where we started uh, in this podcast, is that you guys have a need for speed to get in and out because of the weight of patients. And Frank, uh, you know, has some suggestions to do so, and, and so do I, of course. And the biggest challenge, both all four of us here on this podcast today is number one, the people have to be available. Number two, the equipment has to be available. So it's not only the people, many times facilities has plenty of people, but they don't have necessarily the equipment or the proper equipment for the people to use. So that's, that's critical too. And finally, number three, which, uh, you know, Dion brought up about the tuxedo. I think that it's important that when people wear a uniform and they wear a clean uniform and they're presentable, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you dress well, you end up feeling better about your job and about yourself. It's, it's almost like you go into the activity of wearing the clothing and presenting yourself, and then you will actually feel better and feel proud of the job that you're doing. And I think that's what, what Frank uh, was putting across with the tuxedo and what you know, Liz was talking about how important it is that everyone has a certain presentation when they go out on the floors, because if you don't dress the way you're supposed to dress or present yourself the way you're supposed to present yourself, then you're never going to feel good about the job that you're doing or the image that you're giving across to people. But the so image has to also come from um, your equipment, where it's stored, your supply room, yeah, all of those things. If if it's cluttered and and just a mess, the production level will be the same. You know, the floor care style will be the same. Um, Alex, you know the the hospital I worked for many years ago. There were major changes I did because it was cluttered and dirty and. Uh, 
the equipment was dirty and the supply rooms were dirty. Um, all of those things need to correct, be corrected. And the staff needs to see that they're better than that. You know, they have to be told that they're better than that. They have to carry themselves as if they're better than that. You know, we know they're better than that and they should know that they're better than that. Right. But I, if agree. Everyone... I agree with Dion that we are, you know, environmental services, Dion and I talk about this all the time. And that is, we are, we might be non-clinical, but we are one of the most important, vital professional departments in the hospital. And as leaders, we need to not just project that, but we need to make sure that, yes, we are uh, educating our team. We're using the greatest, latest uh, technology and pieces of equipment. And that means investing in ourselves, investing in our department, investing in our team. Look, a lot of people talk about hospitals closing. Hospitals close because people stop coming. People stop coming because it's either filthy or customer service are, is horrendous. And customer service becomes horrendous because people, the place is filthy and unmanaged. They talk about finance. Finance is the end point of it. Finance comes in when people stop coming. We have to look at it from the front end, your customer service and the cleanliness of the institution. If you don't have that, people will stop coming. And sure. it starts in our starts in our lobbies, right? I mean, when you talk about Disney, right, Frank, you, you brought up Disney and who doesn't love Disney, right? But the one thing that you always remember is the way that you were made to feel there. And we want our patients not to have to worry about the building, not to worry about, is it clean? Is it not clean? And there's a saying that we, that the industry has, every EVS person has heard of it. And that's uh, shiny floors equal uh, higher scores. So we do focus on the cleanliness. So Dion mentioned it, reduce the clutter, keep the floors clean, keep the floors shiny. And by the way, clean floors are safe floors. And we talk about cleanliness, but we haven't even addressed uh, floor safety, right? They have to be um, safe for people to walk on so we don't have slips, falls, and injuries. And that's an important part of the maintenance of the floors as well. And I know engineering and facilities, uh, they are a huge partner to us. And we make sure that we partner with them when we're in a room, stripping, waxing, uh, scrubbing, whatever process in the floor care we're involved in, we make sure that our facilities team has an opportunity to get into that room as well. So maintaining the floors is really important. Yep. Thank you guys. Uh, this has been great. This has you been really super. Yeah, yeah, this is really phenomenal. Uh, don't stop really doing what, what you guys are doing because it's so important and, and you help us. You, you know, We don't have the time sometimes to train our team. So uh, with the partnership we get through you, it's really important to our team to make sure that we maintain the level of expertise. So thank you. And for bringing us your specialized formulas, we bring you our challenges, you bring us solutions. We really appreciate it. So Frank that. and Alex, maybe you guys can join us in clean and comfort to discuss these items. Um, I think our listeners would be happy to hear some of your points and um, approaches to get into rooms. Because, you know, everyone doesn't, have this type of exchange, right? Somebody may just have become a, uh, 
the first manager for housekeeping and they kind of don't know how. And to have people like Frank and Alex to be able to jump on an airplane and come and see them real quick would be really helpful. I agree. I, I, I definitely would, uh, I, I, I speak for myself and I, I think for Frank too, we'd love to come on to your podcast and participate. And, uh, you know, as long as uh, we you don't feel that we'll ruin it for you, but uh, it would be very happy to, to come on and, and, and do what we can. And uh, I think you guys are doing a great job filling a, a real need in the industry. As I think Frank and I are in, in, in giving information today, information is critical. And I think the more information we can give out there, uh, the better, the better it is for everyone, including the patients. Yeah. Frank, anything you'd like to uh, include with? No, I, I, I do agree. I, I, I would love to be on their podcast. First of all, I think it's very nice that they invite us. Um, uh, and and I, I would be happy to be on the podcast. You know, one of the things that I'm clear about is I'm 85 years old and I'm really clear, I don't know. So there's a lot of things I don't know. And I will go on the rest of my life not knowing. And I always say to the cleaners when I work with them, I say, just so I'm gonna share something with you. You know, here's, here's a situation that you're faced with. You don't know what you don't know. You see, I know what you don't know. When you know what I know, you'll know what you didn't know and you won't need me. Frank, you sound just <laughs> like me. I, I tell them that every day. You know, I don't know. But when I know, you'll know. And you don't know what you don't know until you know. That's because, right, exactly. You know, they don't know. Because, I, I, you know, a lot of times I've, I've done it before. It happened already. We tried it already in the same building. So if we have tried it and it failed, and we, Liz and I was talking about the different managers that come to the door and they go, and you give them suggestions. You get to a point, you want to move a next level, but their ideas are five years behind you. You did it already. You tried it already. So my, you know, sad to say, sometimes my, my reply is okay. We'll, we'll be revisiting this in a few months. Okay. So, you know, I, it's not that I know it all, or it's not even about me. The team has done this. The team has struggled through this already. And again, I didn't start housekeeping being a housekeeper. Housekeepers trained me to be a very good housekeeper. Yeah, good point. I, I just was a very, very informative uh, podcast. Uh, we thank you so much for participating with us. Uh, and I thank you so much on behalf of Alex and myself for all the things that you do in life and for being who you are. And we started with something and we're going to end with the same thing by telling you that we love you. Thank and God you. Bless thank you, you guys. Thank Thanks you. for inviting us. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank Take you care. for everything you do for us. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.